Hello, you are listening to the Batfans podcast brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Enjoy the show. You know the um the the Walking Dead podcast um, that I do. Uh-huh. It was the premiere last week, right? And two days before the premiere, we had 280 hits on the site, uh-huh. and um like the day after the premiere, we had 28,000. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's just. <laughs> I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Hey everyone, it's another Bad Fans Podcast, because we uh, couldn't think of another name. This is um, episode 15, right Tim? You got it. As the official episode counter, I can <laughs> confirm that this is episode 15. Yeah, this is uh, episode number 15 of the Bad Fans Podcast, because like I said, we couldn't think of a different name, so we decided to go a little generic. Um, but we have Tim with us. Tim. It's not like you just call me Timothus. <laughs> Tim with us. I said Tim with us. You need to listen to my words. Um, Tim, yeah. I have a little question for you. Let's hear it. You're on a sinking ship. Uh-huh. And um, on the one hand, you have George Lucas. Before, <laughs> right before he's going, he's going to go into production with oh, The New no. Hope. And then you, on the other hand, you have... Um, Christopher Nolan, right before he's about to go into production <laughs> on The Dark Knight. You can only save one person. There's no in-between. You can only save one person. Who do you pick? Uh, already with the Star Wars Batman question again. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this one, I think, is a little, pretty easy for me. It's definitely going to be George Lucas, since he's the creator of Star Wars, and if he goes down, there will never be Star Wars like how it is. Uh, but since Christopher Nolan didn't actually create Batman, there is a chance we can get a pretty cool Batman series if he doesn't make it. So, you know, I was thinking about that all week. <laughs> like, what can I ask Tim that will make him squirm? Thanks a lot, Tim, for nice ruining my, <laughs> my ideas. I'm um, come up with another question. <laughs> let's see. Um, no, I can't think of anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> um... But but we also have a guest host with us today. Another guest host. Seems like every single one of our episodes we have a guest host. But but this week we have um, a guy named Terrence. Terrence, say hello to to the good people. The good two other or the good yeah two or three other people (laughs) that listen to this podcast besides you. Yeah yeah. Thanks for having me on. be hard to top Bob last week. He was pretty. He's like the guy who invented Batman podcasting. But I'll I'll do my best. So. <laughs> I'm sure you'll do fine. But um, yeah, Terrence is an old listener of ours. He uh, came over with us to the Batman universe, and he's one of only three people that reviewed us on iTunes. So that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> and he's he's only three or four confirmed listeners that we have. So yeah. that's that's pretty good. It's much appreciated. <laughs> By old, do you mean um, 
long-time listener or just old in general? Because I, I think I've got you guys beat by about a decade. So <laughs> <laughs> I think both ways, both ways. Yeah, because uh, the other week Tim said he was nine when um, Batman the Animated Series came on, and I was 19 when it came on, so I know I've got to beat by a decade. <laughs> Finally, I'm not the oldest one on the podcast anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Darren. Um, but speaking of old people and <laughs> stuff like that, uh, the the um, the much anticipated Scott Snyder Joker story came out this or not this week, last week. And um, for our featured topic or whatever you want to call it, we decided to talk about our favorite Joker stories. So, being our guest of honor, Terrence, what is your favorite Joker story and why? You know, um, it's probably an oddball one, but um, when Paul Dini did his Detective Comics run, he had a, um, it was in Detective 826, it was called Sleigh Ride, and um, it's like Joker and Robin, and Joker kind of picks Robin up and is driving around Gotham with him, and um, I liked it, uh, I actually reread it today just to make sure, and um it's Robin is like bound and gagged in it, so he doesn't say a word. It's just the Joker talking the whole time, and you can really see how crazy and um, manic he is. And Paul Dini really has a, a good handle on the character from you know creating Harley Quinn and giving him a girlfriend and all that. Um, and but at the same time, the Joker's talking. You hear you you can read Robin's inner dialogue and contradicting with him, and um, you know it just shows like the unpredictableness and the craziness of the Joker. Some, some stories get, he gets a little too predictable and he, um, is just going around killing everybody. And in this one, he actually saves some people's lives from, you know, getting run over because Robin, you know, pulls out a, uh, Marx brothers reference. And because of that, he'll save some people's lives. And, um, and so I, I kind of like that one a lot to encapsulate. The other one I really liked, which I know some people didn't like, but, um, in Flashpoint, the Batman Knights of Vengeance, where the Joker was actually Martha Wayne. Yeah, that's um, great. Yeah, and Brian Azzarello. It, it, they actually, on the, um, I was watching on the DC Comics website, they have something like the con after the con, or, and he was, Brian Azzarello was talking about the Joker, and he said, you know, the, the less you define the Joker, the better he is. And, and so that's why some of the Joker stories where they try to give a lot of background or detail on him kind of fails. I, I, and, um, that was one of my, my best. Yeah, I forgot about that uh, Detective Comics issue. I mean, remember reading it a while ago and really liked it, but I haven't read it in a long time now. <laughs> what you talking about it makes me want to go back and check it out, because I remember it being really good. Yeah, yeah, and it's nice because it's just one issue. It's just one yeah. standalone issue, yeah. All right, cool. Um, Tim, what is your least favorite Joker story? Least favorite? First, yeah, first, before we get to your well, favorite. We're not, I was hoping we're not limiting this just to comics, right? It could be anything. Yeah, you can choose whatever you want. Perfect. It's actually probably my favorite, and my least favorite is going to come shocker to the, from the animated series. <laughs> <laughs> least favorite is probably going to be uh, that episode, Make Him Laugh, where he like, gets these old com- judges from that uh, comedian talent, like talent show type of thing that he was testing out for, and they didn't give him the trophy, and he decides to ruin their career. And it was just said, like a really like a plot that would have that the joke just seems so meaningless. Even Batman says in the episode, you did this all for a piece of tin. <laughs> like, something so pointless that I didn't see the Joker doing it. There are some good moments in that episode, but just the overall story of it, it like, seems like a waste to use the Joker on a plot like that. 
That was like one of the few Paul Dini uh, written episodes that I actually don't like. It was like, out of all the good ones he did, that's like the only one. So, But my favorite one, I was thinking about this when I was uh, reading the, the Snyder story that just came out, The Death of the Family. Just, there's so many great Joker stories, just all together, movies, comics, animated stuff. But one that really sticks out to me would probably be uh, the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker movie. Just basically because it would be so hard to do the final Batman-Joker confrontation story. I mean, everyone probably has their own version in their heads of what that would be and how it would all end. But I just thought the way Paul Dini wrote it in that movie was pretty much almost perfect to me anyway. Because you might think that Joker's ultimate revenge against Batman would just be like, to kill Robin or kind of maybe what he's going to do in uh, the death of the family story arc. But instead of going that route, Paul Dini had him take Robin. Instead of just killing him, he's going to turn him into like himself. I think that's probably something worse than actual death for Robin and for Batman to see, just to see him turn into the actual Joker and just lose his mind into insanity. It's like, I think the perfect like all out scheme to finally get Batman once and for all that Joker could do for him. And then to that, have, Joker actually find out who Batman was. That whole scene was just awesome. This Mark Hamill's voice acting and that, just the dialogue he had when he finally revealed to him, to Batman that he knew he was actually Bruce Wayne and how he was disappointed with that. And then the way he actually does die, where it's not Batman killing him, which it did kind of look like Batman was going <laughs> to take out the Joker. Mm-hmm. But to have Robin actually pull the trigger and shoot him out there was just all done perfectly. So, I mean, I thought it would be impossible to kind of have, like, a definitive last Batman-Joker battle, but I think Return of the Joker came pretty close. So for that, that's probably the one that stands out to me as the best Joker story. You know, I always forget about Return of the Joker for some reason, that um, that animated movie. Yeah, that's, like, probably, probably my second all-time animated Batman movie out there after Phantasm. Really? Yeah, it's really good. So so where is um, Red Hood? Red Hood's number place? three, then Dark Knight Returns. Oh. <laughs> okay, so is is that it, Tim? That's probably my all-time favorite. As far as comics go, ones I'd like to mention would probably be just Batman number one, the Joker's first appearance. It's such a classic story that kind of set the Joker up perfectly, and it's been adapted in different ways, too, from uh, Ed Brubaker's The Man Who Laughs, and even certain elements of it made it into The Dark Knight. I think it was such a great way to introduce the Joker all the way back then that their writers are still picking from that issue to incorporate to their own versions of the Joker. So for comic-wise, that's probably up there. And then I really enjoyed uh, Brian Azzarello's <laughs> uh, Joker story. I think it came out in 2008, like around when Dark Knight came out. He's got a hard name to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> so comic-wise, those are two that stick out to me. But uh, that might change after this uh, Scott Snyder story, so we'll find out. Did you have a least uh, favorite Joker story? From the comics, um, I'm trying to think. Nothing's jumping out at me right now. But. You know, in the animated series, I, I, they had that one episode, The Joker's Wild, where the guy builds a casino to, um, and he redoes it as the Joker, so the Joker will come and blow it up, and he can collect the insurance. But I never, I never liked that. I liked the beginning, but I never liked the end because I, I never thought the Joker would actually blow up his own casino. Like, I thought he'd maybe take it over or, or, you know, have it as a monument to himself. I never understood. Why would he blow up his own <laughs> casino? Yeah, but the, I get what you're saying, but I like that. episode because like, Joker just has so many great lines in that one. <laughs> the kind of scene. Yeah, Especially that's that the thing. Especially that scene where uh, Bruce is playing the blackjack and he's the dealer. 
Yeah, that yeah. That was great. <laughs> yeah, that's about, like, the first half is awesome, and then it kind of like, well, why would he blow this up? This is cool. Let's make yeah. this a two-parter. Come on, you know? Tim, have you picked one single Joker um, animated series episode that you liked? That, that is your absolute favorite? Um, I'd probably have to go with uh, Mad Love. Oh, uh, uh, of Harley Quinn. Right, right. That'd probably be my favorite. How did that translate into the, the comic? They did a good job adapting it. I mean, there were certain things they couldn't do in there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the way, a lot of the violent stuff was still in there, which was pretty shocking. Seeing Joker push Harley out of a window <laughs> and slapping her. So. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, I have to say that my my favorite Joker story isn't really a full-on Joker story, but it's um, Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum. Okay. Specifically because I think Dave McKean, I mean, has one of the greatest interpretations of the Joker that's ever been committed to paper. I mean, his Joker is, is scary, just downright scary. Um, and kind of gay. <laughs> it's like he, he, he kind of flirts with, like, homosexuality, almost seems like. And I, I heard that, like... Um, Grant Morrison originally wanted Joker to be a transvestite with high heels and everything, which is kind of kind of weird. I'm not sure how I would feel about that, but um, <laughs> um, the reason why I like it is, um, I mean, I, I, I know there's tons of other great Joker stories and stuff like that, but it's it's that first scene where we see um, Batman on the phone with Joker. Joker's in Arkham Asylum, and he has that pearl. Uh, or, or that um, that girl named Pearl, and um, he's threatening to poke out her eyeballs if Batman doesn't go in. And I don't know, it, it was just a f- really freaky scene. And I remember reading that as a kid and getting scared uh, out of my mind. Hmm. Um, so yeah, thank you, Dad, for buying me that when I was a kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, that, a load of that seemed like would freak a kid out. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, it's it's just absolutely freaky. Um, I think, like I said, Dave McKean's art is unmatched in that book, and yeah, it's 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 the only one that I keep on going back and, and rereading it and rereading it and then looking at the, you know, looking at the Joker and um, yeah, that that's my favorite my favorite Joker story out of everything. Movies, animated, that tops them all. You know, I, I would have to say that I know it sounds really generic <laughs> and kind of, um, you know, standard answer, but it has to be The Killing Joke as the, yeah. like the best. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Arkham Asylum because because of Dave McKean's Joker. I, I just, I just, uh, I don't think I could ever get that image out of my head. <laughs> is what it comes down. To. <laughs> That's cool. But like um, uh, we all had yeah. different stuff. I was kind of worried we're all going to pick uh, Dark Knight and Killing Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but um, did did we want to talk about the Killing Joke? Yeah, or is that it? okay? Um, <laughs> what did you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. I, I don't know why yeah. it's such a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> No. Oh yeah, I read that when I was a kid too. I think that that messed me up too. Not just the uh, the scenes with Commissioner Gordon where like the Joker strips him down and ties him up, and 
I remember reading that as a kid and like, what the heck is it? You know, it was, it was very twisted. And all the like, circus freaks around him, too, just made it even creepier, too. When you yeah, yeah. I'm like, how'd they get him naked? Did the Joker take his pants off? Like, what happened here? Like, I was very confused. So, but yeah, that's, it was, the artwork is amazing in that book. So. Yeah, Brian Ball. And- what do you guys think of the ending of that, though? Because I know it's kind of, I heard from a few different people that think it's great, but then they don't like the fact of Batman laughing at the end. <laughs> I think it's one of the greatest endings to any Batman story ever. Yeah. It's just totally unexpected, and for for once, you know, Batman and the Joker are, aren't trying to kill each other. <laughs> yeah. just, I think the best thing about it is how it established that Joker's origin story, like he said, could, he preferred it to be multiple choice, and it just brought down the whole fact that his origin could be a mystery. Like, if you want to believe that the, version, the story he told in that comic is true, go ahead, but if not, like, that's fine, too. Just that yeah. whole mystery surrounding his origin was, was great. Yeah, so so is that um, is Joker's backstory in the Killing Joke your preferred backstory for him, or are you are are you guys just like his backstory should be a mystery? For me, I'm kind of torn between that because I actually like that origin story for him in the Killing Joke. At the same time, too, I like the whole mystery thing where we don't know exactly how he got the way he is, like, it was told in the dark night, because that's great, too, so I'm always torn between that. Yeah, I like it better being a mystery. I think he has some, he has a line in it, I think something like, it's my past, I can remember it any way I want, or something, and uh, I liked how the dark night, you know, he had multiple um, origins there that he told people, because when he, when he first started telling uh, his first origin, I was like, oh, they're giving him the thing. And then he tells a completely different story a little later on. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, unlike Batman 89, where they kind of uh. <laughs> started it out and showed you step by step how he became the Joker. And there's no debate on it. I kind of like that that mystery where he's just the ultimate wild card. You just don't know what he'll do. There, there was one, I forget which DVD it's on, one of the um, DC Universe animated stuff. And Denny O'Neill is like, the thing about the Joker is he come up to you. You don't know if he'll shoot you in the face or hand you a hundred dollar bill. Yeah. He's that wild. And uh, Michael Caine, I think, in as Alfred, like it was in the the teaser trailer, and then in the Dark Knight, where he's just like, you know, some men are unpredictable. They just want to watch the world burn. And I think that's when the Joker works best is when you just don't know what the heck he's going to do. So you know, he might try to kill Batman at the end of the story. He might tell him a joke and make him laugh. So I think that's why the Killing Joke works pretty well. Yeah, and uh, I'm always con- conflicted because, you know, I have my favorite Joker stories, but it seems like the Killing Joke. I mean, it, is the Killing Joke the penultimate Joker story? What are you talking about? Just all around, or like for his origin? For uh, for his origin, I definitely think so. Yeah, but but do you think it's like the greatest Joker story ever written? Well, giving our answers <laughs> that we all said. <laughs> Apparently not, but it's quite really high up there. But right. yeah, there's, there's other stories I enjoy more, so I can't say that it's my all-time favorite. I mean, I think that and The Dark Knight Returns really like set the tone for the Joker because if you look at how the Joker was portrayed before that, he was really he he was just really tall and skinny, and he looked like oh, very girly looking, and he wasn't menacing or scary at all. He like even in like uh, Death in the Family, he's kind of you know it, it makes you laugh looking at him. And then after that, he became between the Dark Knight Returns and um, 
the killing joke, he became very more, more diabolical, more twisted looking, more sinister, more scary, more more of a, a murderer than he was in the 70s and 80s. In the 70s and 80s, he's, he's really kind of silly looking. <laughs> right. And on that same note, who's your your favorite um, artist that's, that's drawn the Joker? <laughs> that would be a tough one. <laughs> Everybody wow. knows who 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 my who my favorite artist is when it comes to the Joker, but <laughs> <laughs> who do you who do you guys think? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to cop out and just say Greg Capullo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but, I mean it's pretty similar to how we looked in the Dark Knight, but Lee Bermejo's art in uh, Joker, the graphic novel, I did like how we looked in that one. Oh, is that how you pronounce that? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, Lee Bermejo. <laughs> If I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong, but I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll take the cop out and go with you know Bolin, Brian Bolin, because not only did he do the the, um, the killing joke, he's done a lot of covers with uh, the Joker on it. That's been pretty cool. And um, Alex Ross, he didn't do the Joker a lot, but he does that one painting with the Joker and Harley Quinn, where the Joker's in like a tuxedo with the slick back green hair, yeah. and I, I always thought that was a really cool image. Yeah. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> We're talking uh, about oh, yeah. favorite artist. Yeah. Oh, favorite artist. Um, yeah, I still forget what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and you still haven't told us your least favorite Joker story. <laughs> oh, um, Christmas with the Joker. I, d- I just don't like it. I'm sorry, Tim. I'm uh, sorry, Tim. I don't, mean- <laughs> I don't mean to disappoint you. Um, not as bad as the last, but not one of the best either. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so who's your favorite, um, your favorite interpretation of the Joker? I'm guessing the actor. I guess I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, that portrayed the Joker on the screen. Could it be voice actor? Yeah, it could be anybody who did a voice, anybody who did a live action. Well, that's a no-brainer for me. <laughs> Mark Hamill, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> Why Mark Hamilton? Why would you pick Har- Mark Hamill? Uh, just thought I'd give him a nod. I mean, he hasn't done anything else, so. Right, right. <laughs> I <don't know> something. <laughs> Do you like him better as Luke Skywalker or as the Ooh. Joker? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, I, see, I think we had this debate before. <laughs> Tim, I, I need a firm answer. I can't remember what your answer was, but I need a firm yeah. answer right now. Otherwise, you're off your podcast. Uh, I'll go with the trickster. I like the best of the trickster. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. Um. Terrence, I, well, live action Heath Ledger. I thought he was pretty amazing, all around. Um, and uh, Mark Hamill is is great also. But one I really like too is Under the Red Hood. Um, I think Dom DiMaggio. I know the last name is DiMaggio. Um, John DiMaggio. Yeah, John is it? John DiMaggio. I think he also does Bender on Futurama. I liked his Joker a lot because. Mark Hamill kind of has a very high-pitched Joker. He'll go deep sometimes, which is really cool and sinister. But um, DiMaggio had a, a really like deep, gritty kind of darkness to that Joker, and I, I like that. Hopefully they'll use him again um, in, in something else. Um, I thought he was really good. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, after Mark Hamill, he's one of the, I think, next guy who did a really good job as a Joker. 
Yeah, because he wasn't trying to just copy Mark Hamill. Yeah. Some of the, the guys, of her, like on the Lego Batman video game, I'm yeah. not sure who does that, but he's just trying to copy Mark Hamill, and you can't do that. Yeah, but, you definitely know when you see the copies out there, just trying to do an yeah. impression. Yeah, and I like Jack Nicholson, too. I mean, for what it was in 89 and, and where the Joker was, he, he definitely brought Joker to a whole new level and brought a um, kind of a macho-ness and a Jack Nicholson kind of like manly coolness and um, to the role that was definitely not in the comics at that time. Yeah, yeah. Or, and it definitely was not there with Cesar Romano with the, the makeup over his mustache. Uh, so. <laughs> The only thing about Nicholson's Joker is that he never got the laugh down. <laughs> no, that's it's like, true. Yeah, it's like it wasn't a hard laugh. It was like a laugh he was trying to like struggle to breathe. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, the other thing with him too is you never forgot it was Jack Nicholson. Well, yeah. if he's Ledger, I, I forget that that's him. Like I'll see him in something else, and I'll just be like, I can't believe that guy was the Joker, where Jack Nicholson was Jack Nicholson the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And my least favorite Joker is the Joker on on the Batman. Oh yeah, the dreadlocks and the bare feet. I, I I I still don't know what the heck that was, and I cringe every time that comes on. And I I I probably like that that series more than most Batman fans, but I I cannot stand the Joker episodes with that. All right. So, is there any other Joker related things you guys wanted to talk about? Well, you didn't give us your favorite. Oh, right, right. <laughs> uh, I have to say Cesar Romero because uh, ah. I just love that mustache. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say he's the only Joker with a mustache. He has that going for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I'm always torn when it comes to this because, like, I like Heath Ledger and I like uh, Mark Hamill. Yeah, I, I, I just don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick both. <laughs> They're both equally good to you. One doesn't outweigh the other, just a slightly. Okay, it's um, Mark Hamill because he was Luke. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you made me happy there. <laughs> yeah, he, Heath Ledger may have been the more, the or, or the better actor. You know, he was in a lot of good movies and stuff. But Mark Hamill was Luke Skywalker. You can't beat that. You can never beat that. <laughs> Here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, all right. So is is that it? Did you guys want to talk about anything else with the Joker? Well, did did you have a um, least favorite story? Yeah, I said um, uh, Christmas with the Joker. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, yeah. I totally blanked out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could talk about Joker for hours and hours and hours. But well, I did that on purpose. I just wanted you. To, I just wanted Tim to hear you criticize the uh, animated universe again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Tim. I didn't mean to break your heart. Yeah. Hey, I criticized it earlier too with make him, the make him laugh episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I I guess we can get on to some comic news or some news in general if you guys want to. If you guys don't, then you know, um, just hang up right now. <laughs> hang up yeah. Skype right now because we're gonna do this regardless. You better be okay with it, Tim. I'm hanging up right now. Have fun, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, first up, we have the uh, Batman solicitations for January. And these seem to be all Joker covers. <laughs> and they all seem to be really, really awesome. Um, is there anything that sticks out to you in particular? Yeah, there's just so many good ones. It's like one of the best uh, 
solicitation than ones we've seen with all these previews. I mean, <laughs> I just love all the different covers that show the Joker and like the different heroes' costume, him and the Nightwing, Red Robin, then the Batman and Robin number sixteen with Joker or Batman and Robin facing each other with Joker smiles. But I think probably my favorite would have to be Batman sixteen, where it just shows Joker like having pieces of different parts of the different Bat fan or Bat family members' costumes. That like Nightwing's mask, Robin's vest, the cape, Batman's glove or gauntlet. It just looks really creepy. Yeah, and he's like in a. It looks like he's in the Bat Cave, yeah. almost in a puddle of water, you know, up to his knees. It's really <laughs> like a really stalker twisted kind of cool. Right, and I have to say the Batgirl one is pretty awesome. By Ed Dennis. Yeah, it's really good. And just the description of it seems like, where's this story going to go? Where it says like it's the wedding of yeah, Barbara Gordon and the Joker. Tim, I'm yeah. gonna stop you right there because I'm I'm not gonna hold up hope for this. <laughs> <laughs> the way uh, Batgirl's been, but um, the 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 Batwoman one has been pretty. I mean, the Batwoman one looks pretty cool. Like, yeah, one uh, not Joker tie. <laughs> Yeah, thank God we have one book that's not a Joker tie-in. And it's the best one, so, you know, it's going to be awesome. That's all yeah, I can ba- say. Batman Incorporated is, I think, not a Joker tie-in also. That one seems so out of place yeah. with all the rest. <laughs> it's like this, I, the whole story, like, Batman Incorporated is, like, such a side point, like, from the yeah. big Batman stories going on. Like, it's kind of like... They're just doing it for Grant Morrison to hurry up and like end his run, and then it's like there'll be no point to it afterwards. Isn't yeah. it out of continuity? No, it's supposed to be in. Oh, I thought it was out of continuity. Uh, uh. Now, in in Batman Incorporated number seven, is that blue helmet? Is that the Asbat's helmet, or is that the knight? I couldn't figure that out, but they're That's, they're holding up. Uh, uh, Damien's one, right? That reminds me of Damien's. Um, yeah, that Redbird helmet, I think. I think that's what he's calling himself. Oh, wait, which one are you talking about? Uh, Batman Incorporated number seven. It's got, like, these kids that are holding um, yeah, yeah. spikes. And there's, like, the blue helmet in the back. That's I think the, that was Damien's one. Okay. I'm pretty sure, yeah. I think it's either that or Knight. One of Knight, them. Squire. Or, yeah, because I mean, Squire is next to it there. I didn't know. I was wondering. Oh, yeah. And there's the Mexican Batman one. Yeah. In the Spanish. What yeah. <laughs> happened to him? Is he still in incorporated? I mean, he, his face pops up once in a while. What about um? Oh, go ahead, Tim. Um, not that the art or anything stands out, but for uh, Batwing number sixteen, looks like the storyline might be taking a turn for the better. I think where it's like he's going up against the corrupt police force that he was working with. Well, hopefully we'll turn into a good story arc, which we haven't seen since the first one, so I'm kind of hopeful yeah. for that one. He's not going up against anyone named Lord Battle or <laughs> Dragon. Or <laughs> yeah. There's nobody from Justice League International on the cover, yeah. so that's a good sign. <laughs> All right, so so is that it? Um, anything else they got for you guys? Yeah. All the Joker ones look good. <laughs> yeah. That's all you can really say, right? But yeah. <laughs> These all make great like, posters. <laughs> if you're a real like massive fan of the Joker, you look like these hanging on your wall. Now, Birds of Prey 16, um, Batgirl, does she, is that a new costume for her? It almost looks a little bit like Stephanie Brown with the colors on the side, but here it's yellow instead of purple. Is it? No, they just draw it differently uh, for, for Birds, Birds of Prey. Prey. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought she had a new costume when um it was the the Night of the Owls crossover, but it's it's but it's um it's bad. I never even noticed that before. Yeah, you're right. I do just get what you're saying. I wonder why they did that. Yeah, you, you, you would think like editorial would have jumped on that, but but I guess not. <laughs> Unless she has two different costumes, one for Birds of Prey and one when she's just working on her own. <laughs> yeah. Why not just have one? <laughs> you just got to change real quick if they call her. You know, Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> so, now it's Batman. so now it's Batman and Robin. You know, and they change it to the silver. <laughs> yeah. Silver outfit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> I think those are the worst Batman costumes ever in history. <laughs> yeah, I know. What, what were they thinking? I mean, oh, God. Oh, I think I need some some therapy after uh, you mentioned that, Tim. It's, it's funny because my wife is not really, you know, a comics fan or anything. And I was flipping through the TV the other day, and uh, Batman, um, the one with Val Kilmer was on. She like stops like that guy's got nipples on his back. She wants up with that. I'm like, oh, don't even go there. That's like a whole thing. Now you have to sit her down and tell yeah. her that Joel Schumacher made a stupid decision to put bat nipples on. Yeah. Um, Curses movies. Yeah. yeah. How does how does Joel Schumacher still have a career after that? Well, what has it done since then? I can't think of... Phantom of the Opera. With, oh, um, that, that's what it was. Uh, I, I don't even know who's in that movie. Um, but apparently it was really good. <laughs> I'll take your so, word. <laughs> I'll take my own word. <laughs> nipples on his suit, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, he, he didn't want to destroy that franchise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All the loyal millions of Phantom of the Opera fans. <laughs> All right, that's that's enough Joe Schumacher talk uh, for one podcast. Um, but our next piece of news is that uh, Ethan Van Skyver is taking on Dan in the Dark Knight after David Finch leaves. But um, before we talk about that, I I'm kind of pissed that. Um, J.H. Williams III is leaving Batwoman for Sandman. So stupid. Just oh, was, that must have been real hard for you to read. Yeah. I, I mean, I know Sandman is like one of the greatest reviewed comics of all time and stuff like that, but and, and I know fans want want that book back, but <sighs> nobody can replace <laughs> nobody can replace J.H. Williams III, but um, yeah, Ethan Van Skyver, what do you guys think about him taking over uh, The Dark Knight after Finch leaves? I mean, yeah, I don't think he's going to be as good as Finch's art, but we'll see how it goes. I'm more excited about the the stories that they're going to be telling in this one. It seems like with Greg Horowitz is kind of tackling, uh, I don't want to say lesser Batman villains, but I guess ones that we haven't seen in a while. First he's doing Scarecrow, and then he's going to tackle the Mad Hatter, which I can't remember the last time Mad Hatter was featured in a story arc for Batman. <laughs> he, he he was in the uh the Batman annual by Tony's annual. Well a main story arc that <laughs> <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I'm just drawing it on strings. <laughs> as you can tell, 'cause I, I I've never really liked Mad Hatter as a as a villain. 
I, I mean, I don't know why. I just yeah, for some reason, yeah, I always, I always did like him as a villain. I think it's mainly just for. I think I said this before. Uh, this for Roddy McDowell's performance in the animated series and how he's portrayed in that. Yeah, was um, was Mad Hatter in the Hush storyline, the the Jeff Loeb one? I think every Batman villain was in that. <laughs> I can't remember if he was. It's been a while since I read that too. Yeah, I think he breaks like Scarecrow out of Arkham or something. Or if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah, so it's like this one's going to be where he's not like a one of a few villains is going to be in the story. It looks like the story arc is going to focus on him as the main villain. Right. Which, I can't, like I said, I can't remember the last time that happened. What? I mean, I trust, um, you know, Greg Hurwitz. Yeah. I'm sure he'll, he'll do a good job with Mad Hatter. I mean, he, he's done a great job with the, with the, scare, the Scarecrow so far. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and I'd say I, I'm looking forward to Ethan Van Skyver. I, I like his art a lot. He's, um, he's had an awesome Green Lantern run and did the the whole Flash rebirth, which was really good. And on one of the um, Green Lantern movie DVDs, there's I think it's I think it's the first um, one that came out, um, First Flight. Uh-huh. They have a whole interview with him about the the Green Lantern. Um, and I mean the guy, every little detail. He he was talking about the art. He's he's all thought out, and he was talking about how the black in the Green Lantern costume should have no reflection because they're the absence of light and so whatever he's going to do f- for Batman, it's going it's really going to be well thought out and a lot of detail. And um, he was working on Firestorm, and that was a character I never really cared much for before this. And I actually started to like Firestorm with him <laughs> drawing it and, and <laughs> writing it, and then he left, and then I just gave up on it. But um, the I think it'll be really good. And from what I read, he said he wants to be on it for a long time and do his take on the Joker. So um, and I think. He did a little bit of Batman with Green Lantern. I think he did like the yellow uh, Lantern Batman and stuff, which were okay. really look really good. Yeah, that so was I, cool. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think it'll be some good art. Yeah, but Mad Hatter, I could take or leave, but I did like him in that first animated series show because it was it was really creepy, but it was believable because it wasn't like this plot to take over the world or something. He yeah. just it was like this creepy little guy who fell in love with, I think she was the secretary and had all, his, thing. And his, his, his whole thing was just like, well, how can I get her to like me while, and manipulate her mind? And it was, it was very creepy and stalkerish, but it was kind of grounded in reality. It's kind of like, I can't believe I was watching that in a cartoon. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, so I hope they take aspects from that into this comic story. Yeah. Okay, so next up we have the Batgirl Spoiled... Episode one, uh, which is a, which is made by Gotham Public Works. Um, have you guys seen this? What, what do you guys think? About yes, this? I just saw it not too long ago. I mean, I'm really curious to see what you think of it, Dane. So this is pretty much the only Stephanie Brown you're probably gonna be getting <laughs> yeah. to see for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because, you know, when the the new Fifty Two was launched, it was like. Yeah, Stephanie Brown is going to be around, you know, she's going to be the, um, whatever, and she's going to be here, she's going to be there, and then a year later, she's nowhere to be found, and she'll probably never be written again, <laughs> like, like Cass, <laughs> um, <laughs> but with this Batgirl spoiled thing, um, I liked episode one, I mean, I thought it was, it was pretty good, but I don't know if it's just the actress, or if it's the, if it's the writing that... Um, it it kind of doesn't seem like Stephanie Brown. She seems like, I mean, Stephanie Brown has those you know smart little 
back-talking little things, but then, like, it, it kind of seemed overdone in this, in this, um, what do you call it, a web series? Is this a web series? Or a fan film, something like that. Yeah, fan, fan film, whatever it is. Um, it just felt it was overdone, but, I mean, you can clearly tell that that's Stephanie, and in the end, I, I'm just glad to see Stephanie back in any capacity, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm just willing to watch anything or read anything to to see Stephanie back in the Batman universe again. But um, wh- what did you guys think? I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's one of the, as far as production values go, I think it's one of the better fan films that I've seen. But um, kind of like what you said with the actors playing Stephanie, but I did kind of think it was a little overdone. With like I saw she was always joking around all the time. And I don't know, just about the actor, I think. To me, and it's just like a little too old. I don't want to say real old, but it's a little older than I thought Stephanie Brown should be. I don't know if you guys felt that way too, but right, right, because yeah, she seems like she's in her, you know, late twenties. Yeah, like late twenties, early thirties, something like that. Yeah, and Stephanie is kind of in in her early twenties. <laughs> yeah. So, but I did like how it ends up, ended though with like uh, Catwoman. It looks like they're gonna do the whole. Uh, Gotham City Sirens team up with Catwoman, yeah. Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn. Or Harley Quinn. I said Harley Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll probably definitely keep tuning into it once they put them out. Yeah, and speaking of Queen, I liked it better than – I watched Arrow, and then I watched this, and I liked this better than Arrow, so. <laughs> but, uh, wow. Yeah. The um, – you know, the the acting was a little rough. That guy with the tattoos, it, it seemed like he was trying to remember what to say as he was saying it, which I kind of thought was funny. But I thought the suit looked pretty great for a fan-made film, and the fight sequence for a fan-made film was pretty good. You know, it was um, – and uh, the ending was definitely awesome with Harley Quinn and where they're going with it. So, um, you know, if, if I paid money to see it, I might be a little disappointed, but something free that fans made, I thought it was pretty good. So even if it was like ninety nine cents, you'd be like, "Oh, I just got ripped off." <laughs> you got ripped <laughs> off mine. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe not ninety nine cents, but you know, maybe a movie ticket. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fifteen dollars for a five minute fan bill. <laughs> Although I don't know how many people I've told about uh, you, uh, Dane, going to <laughs> how much you paid just to see the. Uh, was it the prologue to The Dark Knight Rises? Oh, it was a teaser trailer, right? Oh, the yeah, teaser, teaser trailer, trailer. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that story was hilarious. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm a fan. I mean, I wanted to see it, you know, in the theater with, you know, the big screen and the sound and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe I'm alone in that because you guys aren't real fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wanted to, too, just, just to pay for, you know, everyone else and their food and everything. <laughs> And then well, told, I mean, that's afterwards too. You didn't see was Harry well, I mean, I, don't, I didn't want to see Harry Potter. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan in the world, if you know what I mean. Yeah. In fact, I'm not even a fan at all. So. Have <laughs> um, <laughs> you guys still seen the other that fan film uh, Batman Dead End? Right. Yeah, that one was really good. Yeah. You know? I still haven't seen anything that's topped that yet. Is that the one with the guy from Growing Pains as as the Joker? I don't know about that. <laughs> that was one of like oh. the Predator. I think uh, so. The guy who played Chekhov from Star Trek, his son played the Joker in that. I think. Oh, 
Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I just looked it up. Andrew Koning played the Joker. Okay. Yeah, which he was on um, on uh, Growing Pains. Yeah, he, right. He yeah, played, he played Boner. Boner. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> In your face, Tim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never watched Growing Pains, though. <laughs> All right, so I guess we can move on to... Um, I'm not sure if this is a rumor or if this... What is that? I was gonna say, yeah, there was the the Dark Knight Rises news. Did you skip over? Was there anything for that? Or no, there's nothing really. Oh, because there anything. was the one. Did you see the the or read about the cinematographer for the Dark Knight? Like bash the Avengers. Oh yeah, I read. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, and then there was a um uh an interview with Jonathan Nolan, and they asked him uh, um what the deal was with Robin at the end of the movie, and he said it was a wink at the audience. Which um, I was, and then they asked him if um, there was any other DC things that he'd want to do, and he kind of left it open. He said they have fantastic properties, and he'd love to take a crack at some of the others. So that wasn't anything concrete, but it's hopeful. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see him as far as like in full control of about Chris, his brother Christopher Nolan in charge of maybe like have him direct, write it just on his own, like a superhero. Yeah. See how he does with it. It was weird too, because in the interview, Jonathan Nolan has an American accent, but then his brother has an English, and I didn't know, I mean, I didn't have time to look up where they grew up or anything, but I thought that was a little strange. Kind of like Christian Bale, in some interviews he's got an American accent, sometimes he sounds Scottish, sometimes in between, so I didn't know. Was there any other Dark Knight Rises news? I think the only other thing that I noticed was that uh, Warner Brothers is kind of making their Oscar push where they're sending out, like, sending all the For Your Consideration Things all like the Academy members. They pretty much like want every category, oh. <laughs> like best actor, <laughs> best actress, best director, best score, best everything, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, just, hopefully, hopefully Christian Bale can win an Oscar for for Batman, not not only the um, the boxing movie. Fighter, yeah, the fighter. I guess someone gets a nod for uh, best picture. I mean. Even if you don't like it as much as The Dark Knight, just for snubbing The Dark Knight back in a way, <laughs> just to give it yeah, right. Back. right. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully it won't win something stupid like Best Makeup or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't it'll, really matter. It'll probably get like the best editing, best cinematography. <laughs> and stuff. That's what it usually wins. <laughs> best catering food on set. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but speaking of movies, um, was it the LA Times that said that uh, the Justice League movie is set for a 2015 release? Yeah, I mean, that's what they're saying. It's like it happened pretty much a day after uh, that court that case got settled with the, the Schusters and the DC about the Superman rights and everything. And I think the judge ruled it in DC's favor. It's like right after that, that's when the LA Times kind of focused the story was saying they're planning for Justice League to come out in 2015. Now, I. That they don't have to worry about, I guess, fights with Superman. <laughs> but um, if that's true and it does come out in 2015, I think it's going to be a big mistake. Just for the main fact that that's when the Avengers 2 comes out, and they're going to go head-to-head with that. I mean, from a general audience sense, I think Avengers will kick its butt, really, because it's already established. <laughs> Everyone knows what it is. And then they'll just think Justice League is just like, like a copy of it. Even though it's going to have yeah. that Superman in it, just the general audience might not... This might, this might go the Avengers way since I know how good that was for the first one. And it seems rushed, too. So they're, they're rushing it just right. to get it out while, like, the whole Avengers thing is still hot. Right. And, and what's this thing is, um, it says Army Hammer is Batman? Yeah, and 
if you remember, yeah. he was the guy who was first rumored, to, or he was cast as Batman back in 07 right, for right. the Justice League movie. So if this is true, where they're thinking about having him back again, it's like, <laughs> are they still going to try to do that movie <laughs> that they couldn't make before? <laughs> is he a good actor? That's I've never seen him in anything. Yeah, me neither, so I can't really judge him on that front, but I don't think he looks like a Bruce Wayne or a Batman. <laughs> really? Yeah, not to me anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I've never seen him in anything either. When this broke, I, I looked up some stuff. I saw him in an interview, and he had blonde hair. I thought he'd make a good Flash. Like, he kind of seemed like a Barry Allen. Yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I did not see Bruce Wayne or, or Batman at all, but uh, I was like, maybe they'll change it or something, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm also wondering, because I've heard things, too, that they might not do the whole shared universe thing, like the Marvel movies, where they're going to have, like, this will be a separate continuity from, like, the new Superman movie and whatever the reboot of Batman movie comes out, which I think is another mistake. I mean, part of the whole appeal of the Avengers was seeing all these characters you saw in other movies team up. And if you're just going to have brand new characters and keep them separate, it's not going to have that same, like, cool appeal factor that you're seeing these characters you're familiar with brought together. That's going to lose, like, an edge for it, too, right there that the Avengers has. Yeah, do, do you guys think that they should just focus on Superman and, and try to get a good Superman trilogy in? Or do you think they should start branching out like Marvel did with all of their um, characters pretty much getting movies. I, I think they should copy Marvel exactly what they did. I mean, even though it's kind of lame to say they should copy, they should just do exactly. They should come out with a Wonder Woman movie, a Green Lantern, a, a reboot, a, a Flash, <laughs> and then have them team up. I, I guess they're trying to do the opposite, but it's kind of, you know, Marvel... By doing it the Marvel way, they they were lucky they could get a do-over. You know, they did the Hulk, it was terrible. Then they did the Incredible Hulk, got a little bit closer. So then by the time Avengers came, they had it kind of perfect. You know, if if Justice League, you know, I hope it's good, I hope it's great. But if it's not, they've just kind of ruined so many characters. And, and I don't know. But I just, I, I don't think Warner Brothers is as committed to the movies as Marvel Entertainment is because... They can make money other ways. Marvel, that's it. That's all they've got. So Yeah, I agree. I think they should do it the Marvel way, but I don't think they're going to wait that long. I mean, that yeah. probably like what, 2020 by the time they get a Justice League movie if they do every hero separate. Yeah. But it seems like, yeah, they're going to do it the opposite way where let's do a Justice League movie first and then we'll branch off like all those characters into their own separate movies from that. But the thing is, if Justice, the Justice League movie fails, then no one's going to want to see... Like, those characters in separate movies, too, so that might kill that, like, their own separate franchises, besides exactly. Batman, so. I mean, so. Pretty much, they have to nail it out of the park. Yeah, they, they really do. <laughs> you have to hit a home run on all fronts. Um, but, yeah, it, it says, go, go, going back to um, Army Hammer, it says that he's he was in The Social Network, and Jay Edgar, and um, the upcoming The Lone Ranger movie. That might be the first movie I see him in. <laughs> yeah, I've seen to, him in anything. So <laughs> yeah, I went to the IBDM website and um, they had a the trailer for the Lone Ranger, so I watched that. He was hardly in it I at know. the very end, <laughs> and you can't really tell. And then they had a clip from the Snow White movie where he's sword fighting with Snow White, and 
it, he, it was not what? very Batman. <laughs> what, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, Snow yeah. White fighting Snow White, or <laughs> yeah, he was having a sword fight with Snow White in the snow. <laughs> I, I didn't see that movie. I've never seen a movie with him, but yeah, it was not. It was probably like the least Batman thing you could do. <laughs> well, while the dwarfs were watching. <laughs> so, so who would be like the the worst Batman, Bruce Wayne actor you that you can think of? Oh, I'm sure, there's tons <laughs> you can think of. Besides George Clooney. Yeah, we really got Clooney somewhere. I would I, I would submit um, Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> he would be a terrible. Bruce Wayne Batman. Yeah, he was pretty awesome as Guile in the Street Fighter movies, though. <laughs> Batman doing splits. <laughs> it is like the way. I would say the worst would be like Dom DeLuise, maybe, or Kevin Smith. <laughs> like a really overweight Batman. <laughs> Kevin Smith would be funny. That would really be uh, Batman on Batman. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Tim? Pick one bad actor. Who do I hate the most? <laughs> Man, nothing's coming to my head. <laughs> see, the thing is, I don't see too many movies. <laughs> Except for, like, the comic book movies and Star Wars, and that's it. <laughs> but it was but a you rumor. Know who... oh. oh, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, there was that a, a rumor, I think it was pretty serious, in the 80s, like mid-80s, that they were trying to do a, a Batman with... Um, uh, Bill Murray as Batman and oh, God, Eddie Murphy yeah. as Robin. Yeah, and oh, yeah, that would have been really bad. <laughs> I I think that Bill Murray would. Bill, Bill Murray's name came up during the casting of Bruce in um in the Batman '89 movie. I think for like I think the Joker. No, Batman. no, for uh, Batman for Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that would have been terrible. Okay, now I got the worst actor who could possibly play Batman. <laughs> I don't know his name, but the lead actor for the Twilight movies. There you go. He'd be you. Oh, God. <laughs> Yawn, Dad. Anybody from the Twilight yeah. movies in a, in, in a Batman movie would just be terrible. It was funny. When I went to go see the the Dark Knight marathon when the Dark Knight Rises premiered, like one of the movie theaters owners was saying, like, the upcoming events, thought they're going to have the guy at the theater. He says, our next movie marathon is going to be the Twilight Saga. Room erupted with booze and screams. It was great. He goes, "Oh, I'm sorry. I should have figured you guys aren't the Twilight crowd." <laughs> Why would you even announce that uh, at a Batman? Uh, I guess they're just trying to promote themselves. Yeah. But uh, all right. So so next up we have the Dark Knight Returns Part Two um, trailer. Um, this is the first trailer that has been revealed and. Tim, what did you think? Uh, that looks awesome. I mean, <laughs> last last episode, you know how much we loved the first one, but I think part two is going to be even better. I mean, just the clips they showed of the Batman-Superman fights, uh, can't wait. <laughs> it just looks awesome to see. They didn't show too much of the Joker in this one. I mean, you've heard a little bit of him, but I don't think they showed anything from his fight he's going to have with Batman. But the Superman stuff, I can't wait for. <laughs> I think it's going to be better than part one. But. Can you imagine if it was terrible? <laughs> well, we pretty much know how it's going to be, so... <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm just saying. <laughs> what if there's a slight chance that it's that it's terrible? <sighs> Batman really is dead at the end. We oh. yeah. Well, actually, that might be good, because then they couldn't do the, the, the sequel, uh, that, that horrible thing that came out after. I never 
read it, reading the synopsis of it, it's like, oh, man, what is he doing? <laughs> like, yeah, oh, it was so bad. Stuff with yeah. Dick Grayson, like, oh, man, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get it. <laughs> so, so what's worse, um, Terrence, because you've read both, uh, the Dark Knight Strikes, Strikes Again, or, or you know, uh, I'll start Batman and Robin. I'll go with the the Dark Knight Strikes Again because at least in All Star Batman and Robin, the art would look good. Jim Lee's right, art right. was good. The, the art in, in in Dark Knight Strikes Again, I it was so sloppy and so, uh, you know, for, I don't know what Frank Miller's changed his style over the years, and it kind of works a little bit in Sin City where it's just black and white or black white and one other color. But yeah. in the full color, it just looked it just looked terrible. And then the story was terrible. It was just the art was terrible. The story was terrible, and it was kind of ruining a little bit of the legacy of how great the Dark Knight Returns was. So I just kind of, in my mind, that's out. That's that that never happened. Hasn't he tried to said though that they're both in the same continuity, All Star and the Dark Knight Returns feature? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. are. Have you guys read um, Holy Terror? No, yeah. I've heard, I haven't, but I heard. <laughs> oh my god! If, if you want something to completely ruin your day, go read that because that <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, it made me lose total faith in Frank Miller and everything that he puts out from now on. Honestly, it erased everything that he did with Batman for me. The Dark Knight Returns, Year One. Um, yeah, it, it just ruined everything for me. <laughs> uh, I've, I've heard that too, where like. He's just like gone way out there now, <laughs> and I remember there's rumors. I, I think they died off though that he was somehow going to be involved in the Justice League movie. That kind of caused a panic <laughs> among some people. Yeah. After what he's done lately, they don't want him near it. <laughs> yeah, keep him far away from Batman, far away from Warner Brothers, far away from DC. He's he's poison, I think. <laughs> he can just make another Spirit movie. <laughs> So the first oh, episode, so. no. You just had to bring that piece of crap up. Hey, Tim, when you went to um, the premiere, was there a lot of talk about Frank Miller? Because I noticed he wasn't a part of it at all. Yeah, a few people were asking, like, Bruce Tim about, like, if he's seen it yet or have you gotten his take on it. And Bruce says, no. I mean, I think they said they sent him one, a copy, okay. but they've never heard back from him about it. And just because, recently at the New York Comic Con, Bruce Tim, they asked him that again. He said, nope, still haven't heard anything from him. Yeah, because I know Frank Miller wrote RoboCop 2 with Peter Weller, and I heard Peter Weller in an interview saying, like, yeah, he hasn't, he, that he's friends with Frank Miller, but hasn't talked to him about yeah. it. And I thought that was kind of weird that he wouldn't. But, yeah, the, the trailer for Part 2 looks great. Every scene, every word looks like it's straight out of the comic. I didn't see anything that looked different. And, um that's awesome because those issues three and four are, are pretty awesome. And the, the fight with Superman and Batman, I mean, I read that when I was younger and that was, I think one of the, the most brutal thing I had ever read up to that point. I just, you know, and what makes it so brutal is Bruce's like inner dialogue where he's just like, I just, I, I don't know word for word, but he's just like, I want to, you know, wrap my hands around your neck so you know the, the the one man who beat you and all this stuff. And it's like, wow, like, this is intense. So I, I think they'll have a lot of that in there, which is good. So so did you like um, The Dark Knight Returns uh, when it first came out or, or when you first read it? Yeah, I, I mean, that's still, I think, today my, my favorite all-time comic. Uh, I read it. Probably, I think it came out in 86, and I started reading comics in like 88. 
So um, it had been out for a couple of years. I read it in trade paperback. But the comics, I, th- I was in middle school at the time, so the comics were pretty tame in comparison. That was like the first like comic that kids shouldn't be reading, but I read anyway. <laughs> and so it was kind of like, what is this? And um, a lot of it I didn't understand or get a lot of the political stuff and there was like that woman with like swastikas stickers on her breasts and all this stuff. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and I was still naive. I was still kind of like, wow, this is how, this is what it will be. This will really how Batman ends. And this is really how Superman ends. I had no idea that, you know, there's like 8,000 stories about the, the ending and stuff. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty impactful. Yeah. I, I did not like it when oh, I first right. read it. I, it. It was just too much reading for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My little uh, nine-year-old brain couldn't handle it. <laughs> All right, so next up we have the new DC original animated films that are going to be coming out in 2013. Uh, first up we have the Superman Unbound, and then we have Justice League Flashpoint. Yeah, I mean, the one that's kind of surprising to me is that they're doing is Flashpoint so soon. I mean, I think it was a few months ago, Kevin Conroy kind of let it slip at an interview he was doing, <laughs> saying he's going to be voicing Batman in Flashpoint. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, they're doing this already? And now that it's confirmed, I mean, they haven't given too much details on it. But the fact that it's titled Justice League Flashpoint just makes me wonder how much it's going to be like the actual Flashpoint comic. Are they going to take certain things from the different miniseries they had going, or is it just going to be focused on the main Flashpoint title? So I'm curious to see how it's going to develop. But I do hope they do a lot from uh, the Batman Night of Vengeance storyline with Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne. Like you said earlier, Terrence, that was just awesome. So I just hope they incorporate that somehow in it, especially since Kevin Conroy's doing his voice. Yeah, that would be awesome. I didn't – did you guys – did they have much about it? Because the only thing I saw was just the title, and I didn't know um, how much was – you taken right from Flashpoint or anything? Did you guys have any more information than just uh, the title? Yeah, unfortunately, no. They just announced the titles. Okay. I was kind of hoping, because at the premiere for The Dark Knight Returns, they're saying, you'll learn a lot more about our upcoming titles at the New York Comic Con. And so okay. when, when they did, it was like, oh, that's it. Just, they just announced the titles, which, I mean, if <laughs> you looked on the internet before, if you kind of knew already that these were going to be the two movies. So a little disappointing to get more information on it, but at least they're confirmed for their dates anyway as far as Superman's probably going to be summer and then uh, Justice League Flashpoint's going to be the fall release. And of course, Dark Knight Returns Part 2 this winter. I'm definitely excited for this year of their releases. Yeah, my only thing was, I, I wish they'd do somebody else other than Superman again. I yeah, mean, we've had All-Star Superman, we had Superman the Elite, you know, we haven't had a Flash, we haven't had a lot of the secondary characters, they, we haven't had a Teen Titans, so, I mean, I guess they're just going for what sells the best but it seems like they just, after the Wonder Woman and the Green Lantern, it's just been either Justice League, Superman, or Batman, or yeah. Superman and Batman. <laughs> but that's it. It's it's not the DC Universe really that much. Yeah, I'm right with you there. I mean, unfortunately, it all comes down to how the Wonder Woman and the Green Lantern movie sold. This is nowhere near the Batman Superman one. So it's, it's the higher-ups that Warner Brothers just says, you just make these movies with these characters. <laughs> and I guess our only way to get our fix for the other character that is in a Justice League movie, which is kind of unfortunate, because I'd love to see a solo Flash movie. I think that'd be awesome. Whatever happened to um, Plastic Man? Is that his name? <laughs> yeah. The guy with the, the it looked like Elvis with the glasses and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Used to be in the, the Justice League, right? Yeah. 
Have they ever made an animated movie of him? <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. He's actually, they do a lot of him on the um, the DC Nation shorts on um, uh, Cartoon Network, The in between um, Green Lantern and yeah. uh, Young right. Justice. They have a whole thing on him. But, um, yeah, I don't know if he'll get his own movie. <laughs> but he, he, he used to have his own TV show way back, I think, in, like, the 70s, or was on a lot. But that's going way back. <laughs> and speaking of that whole D-Nation thing, how stupid is it? Wow, we're on another hiatus already. They aired two episodes of Young Justice and Green Lantern, and then all of a sudden they pull it. So, nope, you're going to have to wait again until January. Yeah, and it was such a tease because I have a direct TV, and so it recorded. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, and it said the title and everything, and then it was like How to Tame Your Dragon or something was on. Like, what is this? But thankfully they didn't catch it in time, so where it was on iTunes for the weekend, it's gone now, but I was able oh. to download it. So. Oh, lucky you, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, they were great episodes. <laughs> Yeah, I had to um, purchase some of them on iTunes because when they changed the name from Young Justice to Young Justice Invasion, yeah. <laughs> it stopped recording. Same thing so, happened to me, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Tim, did you want to talk about the Lego Batman movie? Yeah, which is, when I heard about it, it should be pretty cool because the, the Lego Star Wars movies have been pretty funny. Uh, and But for this one, when I saw the trailer, it pretty much looks like all they're doing is taking the cutscenes from the... Lego Batman 2 game. I mean, which is fine and all because there were some funny moments in there, but I was kind of hoping for a, a brand new story with Batman and Superman, all the Chelsea characters, so... Eh, a little disappointed with that. <laughs> Did you see the turns? Yeah, I saw it. I thought it, it looked good for kids, you know, if it gets, you know, the next generation yeah. into it. It's good for seven, eight, nine-year-olds. They can't, you know, watch The Dark Knight or anything like that, but, you know, it's not something I'm you know, holding my breath for, but you know, the, the guy doing Lex Luthor, I think is the same guy from the animated series. So he sounds yeah. good. I just kind of wish the Joker was Mark Hamill, but other than that, it, it, it looked like they go more for the comedy than the, yeah, they definitely do. Yeah. Especially in the game. There's the Batman Superman dynamic in the game is actually really funny. <laughs> Robin's like all in awe of Superman and Batman's kind of <laughs> mad at him about that. It's like, saying it's nothing special. So once it comes out, I'd still recommend seeing it. Yeah. I, I I can't get into those. I mean, I know everybody likes them and stuff. But I don't know. I, I I just can't get into those those uh, video games. Yeah, <laughs> it just gets kind of boring after a while. Yeah, but you know what? Someday when you're married and you've got like a little seven year old running around, it'll be fun. But <laughs> right now, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with the Brave and the Bold. I I couldn't stand the Brave and the Bold until I I got two stepdaughters, and then all of a sudden it was like the coolest thing ever. So, you know, yeah, Brave and the Bold's always been awesome. <laughs> yeah. And Dietrich Bader. <laughs> yeah. Dietrich Bader is a good Batman voice. I have to say. Yeah, he's awesome. Man. I really like him. Yeah. Um. All right. So I guess that's it for news. Um. We can move into our comic reviews now, and uh, we should say before we start any of this comic reviews that uh, there's going to be a lot of spoilers in this. So if you haven't read comics from the past two weeks, you might not want to listen to this section, or you might want to come back to the section later because we're going to spoil a hell out of them. Uh, but if you want to be spoiled, by all means, you can listen to this. Um, for this episode, we're covering the weeks of October 10th and October 17th. For October 10th, we have Batman number 13, 
Batgirl number 13, and Batman and Robin number 13. For October 17th, we have Catwoman number 13, Nightwing number 13, Batwoman, Batwoman number 13, and Justice League number 13. So all the 13 books. <laughs> I got it right. It's a lot one. of... <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think I've said the, the word 13 that many times in my entire <laughs> life. But you probably said 12, 11, 10, 0. A bunch <laughs> yeah, of you're right. <laughs> you got a point there. Uh, okay, so for, for our rating system, this week we're going to be using Heads on the Lion Cup because of uh, Batman number 13. So for Octo- October 10th, our guest of honor, Terrence, where would you like to start us off? I will start right at the top with Batman number 13. All right. Please go ahead. Well, I thought this issue was awesome. I thought it had almost a little bit of everything. I mean, there's a lot of hype for it, so it lived up to it. But, um, I, I you know, I'm not sure who the person is because at the end of the story, they just kind of say brought to you by and they have all the names. But whoever the letterer was, you don't think of the letterer much, but they start out and the way they just wrote the Joker's letters it just I could hear Mark Hamill's voice in the <laughs> darkness you right know but yeah like as I was like wow you like you didn't I knew that was the Joker and I knew it was Mark Hamill and everything was just kind of he was just it, it's just like the Joker's here and he's he's not here to kill everybody in Batman's universe he's here to just mess with people and play games and it's just Scott Snyder had the creep factor going with the Joker talking about hiding under Gordon's bed and um Gordon is all freaked out and then kind of shows the the rest of the um, family. And then I don't know if you guys caught it. I had to go back and look it up. But when um, Batman um, references the one guy, um, John Claridge. Yeah. And then that that's actually right out of the very first Joker story in Batman number one, 1940. Um, and um, the only difference was in that story, the Joker came on over the radio, whereas, uh, you know, in the here they kind of updated it to the TV. But um, it was pretty awesome. It was pretty cool how the Joker had the, the twist on, you know, killing all the police officers instead of the mayor. And um, I liked how it was a combination of the chemicals, which is kind of a, a throwback to um, – Batman 89 with Jack Nicholson, like poisoning people with combinations of shampoo and cleaners and deodorants and not just outright. And then I kept like, as the whole issue was going on, like, I want to see what the Joker looks like. I want to see what he looks like with his face twisted off. And, um, Scott Snyder just kept teasing it and building up. And then you go to Ace Chemicals and, um, with the red hood and it turns out to be Harley. Um, and then at the very end there, when they, the last scene where, um, He's about to strike. Alfred is pretty cool. And then the backup I thought was awesome, too, because I love Jock's art. And um, it's kind of, in a lot of ways, minimal list with not a lot of backgrounds and not a lot of details in the background, but um, it works. And the the thing that stuck out with me is how he draws Harley Quinn's eyes. Like, there's just so much, like, terror and emotion and confusion just in the eyes. And um, I can't... I, I don't know. Scott Snyder just had it down because I'm I'm kept thinking like, well, does he cut her face? Did, was her face cut before? You know, and I I wanted to go back and look, but then I didn't want to look, and um, so it was it was really I thought well done. I didn't really catch any major plot holes or anything, and I'm just looking forward to the rest of the the run. And I, I'd give it I'd give it four and a half heads out of five. Four and a half. 
what heads out of five? <laughs> Was it four and a half mutated lion cub heads out of five? <laughs> well, I like that it mutated in there. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> um, Tim, go ahead. Go ahead now. Now, right now. <laughs> well, now I'm just going to wait a few minutes. <laughs> but, uh, I'm right there with you, Terrence. I mean, just from the opening monologue that we read about those, like, signs of, like, Nobody that they were thinking of how this leading up to something bad with the rainstorm, the two-headed lion cub that was born. And then just, man, that opening sequence of Joker killing all those cops, just awesome. It's like you said, it was real creepy, and it's really getting to Gordon's head, which you rarely see from Gordon, how, like, shocked and scared he was at the end when Batman shows up. He just says, like, oh, my God, he was telling a joke. He told a joke. It was, like, just really freaked out. Like you said, too, I love that reference that you made to Batman, number one with how he was the son of uh, John Claridge. And, like, he, <laughs> I just went back and uh, looked at that issue just to make sure. I mean, I knew that's what they were going, but I just wanted to verify it. <laughs> and so I looked back at that and remember what it's like, yeah, they did do that, which was awesome. And then just like, just like you said, the whole dynamic of everyone, like, kind of being so concerned that the Joker is back. I mean, right when they find out Batman gets the calls from everybody, Nightwing, Batgirl, Red Robin, which is great showing that. This is such a big deal to everybody because they know how bad the Joker is, and he just really sets the how big of a deal this is to the whole Bat family. And then the whole thing with uh, Harley <laughs> and the Red Hood, I thought was great. I didn't see that coming at all. I mean, when he, when she took out that mask, it's like, oh man, it's Harley there. And then when she says that, it's not the Mister J that I know. It's like, oh man, even she's creeped out of the Joker. It was like a whole new Joker we haven't seen before. And then it's that last shot with Joker about to knock out Alfred. It was like, oh, man, he looks scary and awesome. And then I didn't see it coming where he was actually going to go for Alfred. And then just the fact that he brought that two-headed lion cub was such a great touch to tie it all in with the beginning. This is how <laughs> that little sign came back to show that it was something big that was going to happen to Gotham. <laughs> it was yeah, great. It, it, it was kind of just be one big, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what's that going to happen next? <laughs> But this kind of confirms the fact that Joker knows who Batman is. I mean, there was always the suspicion that he does know, but he never really admits it because he likes the fun of it. But now it seems like, yeah, he does know that he is Bruce Wayne, which I thought was kind of surprising. And I'm trying to think, I don't think there's any faults I find with it. I mean, the only thing that I could nitpick about it was maybe it would be a big, bigger deal for Gordon if it wasn't in the New 52 with how... Well, the Joker did to Sarah Essen in No Man's Land. He'd have mm -hmm. more of a stake with this, not just Barbara, but with his wife. So that's one element that's lost, but, I mean, that's really nitpicky. So Does Sarah, Sarah Essen exist in the New 52? Not yet, no. That's yeah, that's what I thought. So, yeah, I'm going to give it can I give it six. I had yeah. Lion Club out of five. <laughs> <laughs> but if sure. I can, I guess I'll just go with five. Five heads on a mutated lion cub. <laughs> you rarely give a five, Tim. I'm surprised. <laughs> um, first off, I really like the beginning with Gordon Bullock. Um, you know how they how they're talking about the bad omens with the with the Joker's van driving through you know through the rain, uh, and just when the lights go out out of nowhere is so so creepy and scary. It's it, that that entire scene was just so amazing, um, and I really like that one panel where he, where uh, Commissioner Gordon 
you know, moves his flashlight and all you see is Joker's foot. Mm-hmm. And, like the rest of his body's behind like a wall. I, I, I thought, I thought that was amazing. Um, and yeah, I, I liked how almost, you know, the entire Bat family was concerned that, the, you know, the Joker was back. Um, you know, it, it just makes this story a whole lot bigger than it already is. And I mean, I know we already knew that because this is going to be a big crossover, but, um, yeah, I, I I just I just love everything in this issue. The, I I can't really find any faults in it. Um, but but what I really liked was how Snyder. I like how he. Um, it's it, it's not just a regular Joker story. It's it's um. There's something different about the Joker. Uh, there's something wrong with him. He's not the same Joker that that we know and love. He's you know, there's something wrong with him, and I can't wait to find out what that is. Because um, I'm sure it's something. That it's gonna blow us away, um, but yeah, I I pretty much like this entire ep- uh, issue, and um, I like that there's actual detective work in this issue. You know, um, first it was looking for fibers in that in that evidence locker, whatever that was. Then it was, you know, Bruce identifying John Claridge, uh, you know, who was the son of Henry Claridge, you know, um, and then there's that scene in the elevator between Bruce and Gordon, and Bruce realizes that. You know, the Joker's poisoned the cops surrounding the mayor, which, um, you know, which was also a really great scene. Um, but, but what I think was the greatest scene was that, that scene with, um, John Claridge where, um, uh, you know, he, um, he, it looks like he was kidnapped by the Joker or something. Um, I mean, for one thing, you know, Snatter's dialogue in that scene was just perfect. It, you know, it starts off like it, it's the Joker on camera. But then as the scene, you know, goes on, John Claridge, you know, he gets more scared and terrified. And, you know, he's still trying to read what the Joker's written. Um, and, you know, until the Joker finally kills him. And all you see is, you know, Bruce and Alfred and Damien in the shadows. You know, the word bang in the panel. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that, 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 that was the perfect scene. Um, kind of reminded me of that part of the Dark Knight where he's having that news anchor uh, read the... Like he's like reading those cue cards. Joker was holding up about the docks and everything, how people are supposed to escape. We're just like making, forcing someone to read what he wants them to say. Right. right. Yeah, I'm looking and, um, at it right now. Oh, sorry. But I love. He's got the line here that the mayor. He says, "Dead is a baby bird smashed with the crowbar." <laughs> and then in that scene that Dane mentioned, that with the bang, like you see their eyes, but you also see a little bit of uh, Bruce's teeth. Like he's gritting his teeth. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I really like that scene with with Harley and uh, Bruce. Um, but but I thought it was, I mean, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but I thought it was kind of funny um, when Bruce gets hit by that giant mallet. I mean, I, I just thought that was funny. I mean, I know it wasn't supposed to be, but that's me. It's classic <laughs> Joker. Yeah, no, it's like a giant He's mallet. Like as scary yeah. and evil as he is, he still has these like funny things <laughs> that he does to Batman, which is great. Yeah. Finally, I have to say that I like Jock's uh, Joker better than Capullo's. Yeah, it, it it just seems like there's something a little more sinister and um, dirty <laughs> to Jock's Joker um, than Capullo's. But I mean, w- we haven't really seen Capullo's Joker that much yet, so uh, I'm just glad Jock is back on a bad book, you know. <laughs> and I'm uh, I'm even happier that he's doing a bad book with Snyder again. Um, yeah. So overall, this is this is how you introduce the Joker again, uh, back to the bad books. And this issue was 
pretty much perfect. Um, yeah, and there's not much else to say about it besides the fact that I can't wait to see where the story goes. But I'm sure we're all like that. So I'm gonna give this four and a, yeah four and a half out of five heads on the line club. Wow, I can't believe I'm the only one who gave it a five. <laughs> I'm just giving <laughs> five across the board. <laughs> no, I, I'm just saving the five for for that one issue that's just gonna be like, oh my god, this is so <laughs> awesome. Okay. I don't want to ask you guys real quick. Did, we, did you see any like leaked images of the Joker's face before the, you actually read the issue? Yeah, I did. Yeah, unfortunately, me too. <laughs> when, when it was released um, that Wednesday, I, I saw it. I did not, so I was kind of awesome. anticipating it as the story was going. So yeah, and then there's like the last scene before you see it. You just see like the reflection in Alfred's eye, and he's like, "My God!" And then so it was a pretty cool reveal to to have not seen it. So yeah, that's right. the only thing that. Probably could have made my reading experience better for this issue if I didn't see that panel before. <laughs> I actually okay, yeah. that would have been a great surprise. All right, so Tim, yes, you can take Batgirl number thirteen because I know you're such a big Batgirl fan. Why? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, actually, funny you should say that because I enjoyed this issue. <laughs> it wasn't the horrible, pointless story that we sometimes gotten before with Batgirl. <laughs> but I think this Nightfall storyline didn't start off too good, but. Now that it's all said and done, I kind of like how it ended. I just like how they developed the character of Nightfall as far as her background and why she's doing what she's doing. I mean, what she had to go through um, was her, like, getting close to this boyfriend of hers or whatever, and then him actually turned out to be a bad guy and making, uh, having him kill her family right in front of her and actually kind of having her be a part of it where she calls her family down while he's there and he, like, makes her watch as he just kills them all with a knife. You can kind of understand why she's doing what she's doing. And the fact that she did get her revenge by keeping that guy locked up and just torturing him, you kind of, like, you really don't feel bad for that guy. <laughs> you kind of understand why Nightfall's doing all this. But, you know, at the same time, none of the real superheroes can let that slide. But <laughs> So Batgirl has to take her down and save this guy who killed her family. But So I did like how they wrapped up the whole storyline with, with Nightfall. But I just didn't get the whole thing at the end with all the her villains, I guess, that she's faced since issue number one. I mean, you got Mirror, that girl who takes over people's minds by saying numbers. I think her name was Gretel. And then that guy known as Grotesque. I forget. He was that guy with the mask, right? Yeah, the <laughs> demon mask. Yeah. So they're all like, someone's bringing these three together. But kind of left in a mystery as to who these people are, why they're bringing them together. I mean, if I part of Nightfall, because she says she has connections everywhere, and she's going to come back to get Batgirl. Like, she already put in this planet into motion. They kind of left that open, but I mean, these three characters, I mean, I did like the Mirror character. I thought his story was pretty good, but the rest, they really weren't characters I was hoping to see back anytime soon. So, it's not that big of a deal to me that they're all maybe going to team up and cause trouble for Batgirl or whatever. So, how it ended didn't leave, didn't leave me excited to see where it's going to go, but as far as the tie into the death of the family, I mean, it's kind of surprising they did the die cut issue cover for this issue because pretty much there's only one sequence at the very end that ties in with the death of the family, which is typical Joker, which I thought was pretty cool. Just having, it looks like his men do the same thing that he did to Barbara, but to her mom, just the way they knock down her door and have her on the phone as it's happening. It seems like a good way for Joker to get back at Barbara. So I did like how that ended. So altogether, that was a good issue. I'd probably give it three and a half out of five heads on a mutated lion cub. 
um, I have to say, um, I really dug the art. <laughs> and, and Bennis, you know, he does a really good job in this issue. Uh, and, you know, it's just awesome looking art. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> as for the story, in the end, uh, this Nightfall story didn't really do anything for for me, and it really didn't connect with me. The um, the action scenes in this issue were really good, though. Uh, I, I I really liked seeing Babs getting beat down and then getting back up again to face um, to face Nightfall. Uh, but it did f- kind of feel like it went on too long, um, which was made even longer when. Um, What's her name? Sharice? Mm-hmm. When, uh, when Sharice stops fighting all of a sudden and starts telling the truth about her parents' murder and, you know, her going through Arkham and stuff, uh, it, it was just kind of a slow point for me. Um, I mean, I do agree that it was a semi-interesting twist, but it just slowed down the story f- uh, for me. But my biggest complaint, though, is... It, it's the end of the issue where, where Babs and McKenna and, uh, and Kate just, just let Nightfall go. And, and all of her, um, her gang go. I, I didn't see the reason for that. Um, well, the, like for, for, no, the detective did say that they're all under arrest. I mean, I don't think we saw them, like, put handcuffs or anything on it, but they did, she did kind of say that they're, she's gonna arrest them. I could have sworn they let, they let them go. I don't think so. Really? I mean, they don't show it, like I said, them walking away in handcuffs or anything, but I got the impression that they were being hauled off in the jail. Oh. That would be pretty stupid if they just left them there. Yeah, no, uh, I was about to say, I, I, I don't get that. I mean, for people that fight for truth and justice, why would they just let somebody like that go who is, you know, who has a clear mental problem? Um, But yeah, I've, I thought that this story was rushed, and... In the end, it was just another filler story that um, that's just completely forgettable. Uh, I I gather nothing from this, and um, yeah, I just I just I just did not like this story at all. Um, but I did like the ending. I, I thought that was pretty good with the with the guys busting into the barber's house, um, but. Like every other issue of Batgirl, I just hope that Gail Simone can do something good with that. So um, I'm going to give this two and a half out of five mutated lion, lion cubs. <laughs> <laughs> heads. <laughs> mutated heads on a lion cub. <laughs> yeah, and I, I pretty much agree with you, Dane. Uh, the artwork is awesome. Ed Benz, I've always liked his work. He can draw the female figure pretty, pretty well. <laughs> but um, when I got it, you know, the covers, the die cut, and I was like, ooh, Death of the Family, and opened up the first page, and it's like, oh, yeah, they haven't, I forgot that they hadn't finished the whole Nightfall thing, and it, it's so predictable that I just, I guess I assumed I saw the end already, and then, so then I was kind of reading it going, well, will they have any time for some Joker stuff in here, and it was just kind of a little tedious of just like, oh, come on, get get on with it already, and um, yeah, this story was just very predictable, very bland, and um, hopefully we'll get some better Joker stuff in the months to come. And I couldn't tell either the end, too, with the people in prison 
whether that was part of the Joker's plan or that's just something they'll pick up after the death of the family or if it's separate or not, but it'll be interesting to see. So I'd probably give this two mutated lion cub heads out of five. Oh, you guys are both scoring everything this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like you're the only one that liked these books. Apparently. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you guys did not like Batman number 13, though. Four and a half is way too low. <laughs> you would be correct in that I hated Batman number 13. I thought it was just crap. Um, nah, I'm sorry, I take that back. I, I can't even joke about that. <laughs> um, Batman and Robin number 13. This one was okay. Uh, I, I really like that beginning part, you know, between Bruce and Damien where they both go to make sure that their satellite is still functional during the solar eclipse. Um, and I especially liked when Damien asked, you know, Bruce if he ever loved Talia. And, um, and you know, the part where Damien thanks his father for taking him, um, into space. <laughs> uh, that, that part of the book I felt was really well written and it had gorgeous art by, um, Patrick Gleason and awesome coloring too. Um, but I do have to admit that I'm kind of unsure about how to feel about this this new story with the zombies. I do like the fact that Damien is, for the most part, solo in this issue, but on top of everything, it was it was kind of weird to see him being attacked by a giant sewer monster. It, it was just kind of unnecessary. But, but it was good to see that the bounty is still off for Damien's head, I guess. I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that's what that scene is for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, I'm not sure how to feel about this zombie story and how it'll play into the Joker story, if it does at all, because it's pretty clear that this zombie story is at least a two-parter. So I'm not really sure how Batman is going to be fighting zombies and then trying to track down the Joker and and all that stuff, but, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just unsure at this point. Um, I do kind of like where it's going, though, with the zombies uh, and that cult thing and the dug of bodies and everything, so so we'll see. Um, I'm going to give this three muta- three out of five mutated lion head cubs, the lion's feet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's go with Terrence. Terrence, what did you think? You know, I I, I kind of, when I was reading this, so I was thinking, like, wow, they just have too many Batman titles each month because <laughs> it's just too much stuff. Uh, I, I agree with Dane. I like the beginning, the, the kind of the conversation with uh, Robin and Batman and talking about his mother. Um, and then, you know, the artwork I, I enjoyed. I just kind of... I wasn't really in, in too into it because I, I read this sort of after Batman 13, so I was still kind of in like, well, what's going to happen with the Joker? And I just kind of didn't really have time for the zombie apocalypse uh, in between. Um, but um, it wasn't wasn't horrible. It was, you know, um, I, I like the cover, too. I, I thought the cover was really cool. Um, I didn't know where they were going with that with the solar eclipse. And they've got kind of the skeleton zombie Batman and Robin with the zombie moon rising on it. Um, so I really like Pat Gleason's art. Um, and I would have probably been happy if they just stayed in the spaceship talking the whole time. And uh, <laughs> as, as weird as that sounds. So I, I'd give this 
three mutated lion cub heads um, out of five. The, the one thing I really didn't like is the the one scene where uh, I, I started to like it because Damien's talking to that rat and he's like calling him spotty and everything. And then he throws the rat and the rat bites the guy's tongue. And he's like, what's the matter? Rat got your tongue. Or I was just like, it just kind of, yeah, it just seemed out of character. Like if Nightwing had done that, I'd kind of go, okay, but it just seemed way out of character for Damien, Damien to say that. But, um, um, other than that, I, I don't know, I guess the next issue they'll I, wrap this up, but I don't know if there'll be any Joker stuff in the next issue or not. So, um, uh, yeah, it seemed a little bit, a little bit like filler. I honestly think it was filler. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And like you, Terrence, I think it probably wasn't good that I read this after I read Batman number 13. <laughs> yeah. There's really no comparison, but pretty much just like with you guys said, the beginning for me was the only good part about this book. Even the very first few pages where we see Damon, Damien falling asleep after like reading up on the Joker, just trying to pretty much do his homework on him as much as he could before he makes his move. I like that aspect of him. And then, like you said, Damien, the whole scene with them both out in space in the satellite, where Damien actually asked Bruce if he loved Talia. It was just like they actually had a father and son moment there, <laughs> which was nice to see. But then after that, just, I couldn't care less about what happened in the book. Yeah. Zombie storylines. <laughs> I think zombie storylines have been played to death and everything, so <laughs> I never like seeing zombies show up in different areas. So I didn't get into that storyline. And then something that just bugs I know they have to tell the stories until the tie-ins start with the death of the family, but you got the Joker going on. They make mention of it. Then they start these other like side stories that you think wouldn't be priorities to them with the Joker going around. It just felt like uh, maybe they should have just keep, they didn't have to develop a new threat to Gotham right now with the old Joker thing going on. They just could have had, like you said, Terrence, I'd agree that it would have been nice to have the whole comic with them just out on the satellite. Yeah. <laughs> just them talking like father and son. And like that whole thing with Damien in the sewer with that frog who looks like he's a villain from the Ninja Turtles or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, so yeah, I really didn't care much for this issue except for the first few pages so I'm probably just going to give it two two out of five heads on a lion cub just hope this is a short arc and it can get going to the death of the family tie-in pretty quickly <laughs> yeah so to everybody waiting for alright so the week of October 17th we have Catwoman number 13 Nightwing number 13 Batwoman number 13 and Justice League number 13 I will start us off with Catwoman number 13 <laughs> <laughs> this should be fun. I had a lot of hope for this issue, and, and this new writer. But this issue was so disjointed and stunted that I almost didn't know what was going on, um, and I didn't really care. Uh, first, we have a scene where I'm assuming the, um, the Joker floats a teddy bear in front of Selina, which triggers a memory with uh, Lola from the, the first arc, first story arc. Um, which then goes to her chasing the Joker, and for some reason she finds a Catwoman signal, which a kid notices. I mean, I, I'm I'm assuming that that was some kind of dream or hallucination or of some kind or or something. And from that, it's just a big mess. We have Selena talking about being reckless and living a carpe diem lifestyle, and then then we go to a scene where she's talking to her fans, where all we gathers there's a job. And that Selena hates skin. 
Um, and and after that is 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 one of the most confusing conversations I've ever read. You know, Selena goes to to meet the guy that that has the job or whatever. Um, but then they're talking in this technical chess language that that totally lost me. And that chess language stuff, it, it, it carries over to the heist where Selena needs to steal a chess piece or, <laughs> or, or a human being trapped inside of a chess piece, which also has a bomb on it or something like that. I, I don't even know what was going on in that scene. And to be quite honest, I really could care less. I gained absolutely nothing from this. And I actually, and, you know, surprisingly, um, think that this issue is just downright stupid and a huge waste of time. I'd rather watch Grass Grow than read this issue again. <laughs> totally not worth it. I mean, I, I know this is Anna Senti's second issue, and I know I need to give her more time to settle down in, in the writer's role, but this issue was almost unforgivable. And, you know, it's, it's made me lose faith in the writer and this title. It's okay if you want to write a cool, artsy, highly literate issue. I mean, that that's fine. But but don't go overboard with it. I mean, to to the point where your your story is incoherent and babbling on and on and on and on, so that so that we can come, you know, to the conclusion that we could care less about what you're trying to say, um, in what you think is an original way. And babbling is really what it is. It, it it just goes on and on and on about what seems and probably is nothing, um, and it it ends without giving us anything, or at, at least I got nothing from it. I got absolutely nothing from it. But on a positive note, <laughs> well, the, the, <laughs> the art is a step in the right direction. I um I was starting to warm up to Adriana Mello, but I was gonna say you're gonna do much worse than that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but this new artist, um, you know, fits right in. Um, and if it wasn't for the art, uh, I would have seriously thrown it away. I, I would have thrown this issue away. Even, even it, with the die cut cover? Yeah, I would have thrown it away uh, because it, it would have been trash. And I know it sounds juvenile and, and lame, but this issue was just plain stupid and boring. I wouldn't recommend anyone to spend a penny on this, and I honestly feel ripped off. And again, to be honest, I I don't really know if I'm going to pick up issue 14 when it comes out. Maybe I'll um, I'll ask Tim how it is and judge it from that. Um, I've totally given up on Catwoman number th- uh, Cat- the Catwoman series. Uh, I don't think I'm going to pick it up, and this issue just pissed me off. So yeah, I'm going to give this. Zero mutated heads on a lion cub out of five. <laughs> so it's a normal lion. <laughs> yeah, it's a normal lion. But on a positive note, hopefully you guys have something positive to say about it. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Rafi, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I Sorry. was going to say, it's kind of hard to argue with the points that you made. <laughs> I pretty much agree with most of it. I mean, the only, I think, redeeming quality about it was what Joker was doing to Catwoman. Even though it had nothing to do with the overall story, you could tell it was kind of just shooting. Well, well in we there. still don't even know that that was Joker. Yeah, but you kind of know what it is. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, but that yeah, and that scene was written so terribly that yeah. it, like, it's like you said that one panel where it just like was like dr- 
messy drama where, like, he's that Catwoman signal up there, and you got that kid and her mom or something. Like, I didn't know what the heck was going on with there. Yeah. It was like, is that a flashback, or is this happening now, like you said? And, and you bring up another point, too, with the with the paneling. It was so confusing re- reading that first scene with all the with all the um, images blending into each yeah. other. It's terrible. I mean, like, the idea of what the Joker is doing to her, I think, is good, but that's about it. And then everything you said about the overall plot with the whole chess thing was it was stupid. I mean, when I saw that, it was actually a chess piece that she was stealing. I was like, really? They're actually doing it? I thought this was going to be a metaphor for something, like a person. But to actually have someone in a chess piece, like, oh, okay. Technically, it was for a person, but... I mean, like, you would think it was like a code name or something. But <laughs> right, right. I, that. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> and then when it ended, I was like, oh, that's how it ends? Okay, didn't, not really caring what's going to happen next. Just, just want to see what's gonna, how the Joker's going to get involved. So I don't think I'm going to go as low as a zero, but I'm going to give it one mutated heads on a lion cub. Just for the fact what yeah. Joker's doing to her seems pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and um, maybe I won't ask you. Maybe I'll just go into my comic shop and just flip through it, just skim through it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Or I'm pretty close to dropping this book, too. I mean, I'll probably wait till after the death of the family tie-in is over. We'll see how it is. But, yeah, it hasn't picked up at all. Like you said, I was hoping that the new writer would deliver something good with this book after Judd Winnick, but it doesn't look like that's happening. Yeah, It's actually worse <laughs> than Judd Winnick was doing. Uh, but Terrence, what did you think? Well, I was going to say, if you feel ripped off, I actually bought this book twice, so I feel like double ripped oh, off. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <wow. laughs> yeah, I get my comics delivered monthly, um, so I went ahead and bought this digitally so I could review it. So I was, but I had... Um, I didn't have much hope because the writer, which I'm not really sure how you say her last, Anne Niacetti, I guess, or Niacetti, um, yeah, she took over the Green Arrow books, and I I bought a few of those, and they were just terrible, um, and they were they were they were very confusing. They were just very muddled, and she did this story arc where Green Arrows with these like triplets who were like um, blonde haired, like twenty something year old uh, female triplets, and he was involved with one of them but the other two wanted to kill him but you could never know who was who because they were triplets and then they were switched like they switched on each other it was just so confusing and so bad so when i heard she was taking over catwoman i wasn't too hopeful and it's kind of i, I agree with dane it was just like what is this and um just bad dialogue and but i did like the art I, the the thing that lost me is when she's she goes undercover and she's like in this place where they play chess all the time, and she's like wearing like a tent over her head or something. Like that's her her, her undercover is to wear a trench coat and a hood under her Catwoman costume, and and that like may helps her blend in. Like couldn't she just you know wear normal clothes or something? But I I don't know. But yeah, I would probably give this a one mutated lion cub's head just because the artwork saves it a little bit. The artwork was nice to look at, but that's about it. How about we wash our mouths out with Nightwing number 13? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yeah. read it, but um, let's go with Tim. They'll definitely this one's a step up from Catwoman. I know it's not saying much, but <laughs> but unfortunately it's still like like Batman and Robin. You know, it's just filler, taking up time just till we get to the death of the family crossover. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but one of the things, like I said, with the Batman and Robin thing that I – Something that I like with this issue is that Nightwing was saying, like, where's all, like, the gangs and the crime lords? They're missing. Where are they? Is it because of the Joker? Like, they're scared of his comeback, that they're hiding themselves? I kind of like that aspect, where 
since the Joker's making his return, all the other villains are like going into hiding because they know how bad the Joker is and they don't want to get involved. But then it turns out that it's actually because of Lady Shiva and not the Joker, which is also a little disappointed with. And then take a guess, Dane, what Batman villain makes an appearance in this issue? Penguin? <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> really, it is? Yep. Oh, I, I, I had no clue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so again, we get another Let penguin. me guess, he's behind everything, right? The, no, he knows what's going on, of course, uh, so uh, that's all he's there for, is to give information. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that didn't help much, seeing the penguin again. <laughs> I did like Nightwing had an interaction with Batgirl. It is how uh, Batgirl just so determined on focusing on the Joker being back. That's all she wants to focus on. That she kind of ignores Dick or kind of gets mad at him, where like he has his own thing to worry about with Lady Shiva. But she's kind of thinks that he should just be focusing on the Joker, which I kind of agree with too. Where the Joker is such a big threat that they should all be focused on him. But again, you can't help if someone else is showing up to Gotham. You got to take care of it. But one thing that bothered me with Dick's, uh, I guess, detective skills or his hero uh, <laughs> ability to think of what's going to, about the situation, because I saw it coming right when I saw the pages of a boat about to crash into the docks, and everyone thinks Lady Shiva is on it, so does Dick, and he's trying to stop these other hired guns from killing her, but then it turns out the boat was just an empty boat with a bomb set to blow it up, which, I mean, it was so predictable you could see it coming a mile away. <laughs> But Dick falls for it, which I think is something he wouldn't normally fall for. He should have been smart enough to realize that it's the decoy that Lady Shiva is really off killing her next target, which is how the issue ends with Dick realizing, oh, no, she's not on that boat. She's off to her next target, and it just ends with her killing someone. So, so I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't great, so I'd probably give it you know, just three mutated lion cub heads out of five. One thing I was thinking about with Lady Shiva, because they kept referencing that she is the same age as Dick, is this pretty much wipes out any chance of uh, Cassandra Kane coming to the New 52 since that's her mother? And if she's the same age as Dick, I don't think Cassandra Kane would be that old. <laughs> or, or, or maybe they'll do that, that thing that they did with Damien. Um, <laughs> test to you. Batman and Robin <laughs> number zero. I mean, yeah, I know we always say, well, you shouldn't really think about it, because it doesn't make sense, but <laughs> kind of create your own continuity. But just something that you just can't help but think about, well, just, you're probably not going to be seeing Cassandra Kane anytime soon, or her origin is going to be completely different, but oh well. Right. Um, Terrence, what did you think? Yeah, um, wasn't bad, but wasn't great. They had a guest writer, a guest penciler, a guest inker, so I, they could have used, like, a guest hero and just made the story about Cyborg or something, but... uh <laughs> Uh, there was a lot of filler, you know, like Dick, um, he goes out, no one's around, then he goes home, then he goes back out again, that, that filled three pages before he gets to the Penguin, and then Batgirl shows up for a page, but then she's like, well, I need someone I can count on, I'm out of here, and then she's gone for a page, but, um, the artwork I thought was pretty good, um, I did have questioned, um, Nightwing's detective skills, because they have him, um, all his detective work is just going asking other people who seem to know what's going on. He goes and asks some guy in a bar, and he tells him information, and then he goes and asks the penguin, and he tells him information, and then he falls for the boat thing, like Tim said. Um, but it did have some 
interesting stuff about Haley's Circus and this new sort of amusement park he's building. And um, with um, the woman, Sonia Branch. And then, because then there's a scene with Sonia Branch with some weird guy with glasses and a mustache who's bald in her office. And then that's the guy that Lady Shiva kills at the end there. That's right, yeah. I so forgot was, all about that. Yeah, so it was kind of like, well, so there's, uh, you know, out of the 22 pages, there's about four or five pages that were actually, like, story and moving it along, and the rest were kind of filler. But, um, you know, the filler stuff wasn't bad. It was good artwork. It was kind of interesting. So um, I think I'd give it uh, three mutated lion cub heads out of five. All right, so Justice League, Tim, what did you think? Justice League, even though Batman wasn't heavily featured in it, I still enjoyed the issue. I mean, he still makes an appearance, but I liked how it did pick up right after that whole thing with Superman and Wonder Woman kissing for the first time. We didn't just, that was it, and then we never hear about what's happening again. (laughs) At least they're still kind of dealing with it. Hopefully it's not just going to be a stunt thing where, it happened in that one issue, and that's it just for the publicity. But it seems like they are trying to develop a relationship between them. But it was mainly focused on Wonder Woman and, and Cheetah, which I don't think I've read too much comics with Cheetah in it. But So I'm not sure if this is a whole drastic origin change with her or if it's still pretty much the same. But it does give us the more insight into Wonder Woman's, I guess, past when she first came uh to team up with the Justice League, or not to team up with the Justice League, but just make her appearance as Wonder Woman, where she teamed up with uh, the woman who became Cheetah, and how she kind of blames herself for causing her to become the Cheetah by some expedition they were doing, and she got stabbed by a kind of like a, a dagger, that like a ritual dagger that they use by some uh, cult in the Amazon, I believe. And then because of that, she got stabbed. She becomes the Cheetah, and Wonder Woman blames herself. But then super, I like the interaction between Batman, Aquaman, and uh, Steve Trevor, where they're still kind of using him, or but he's not officially part of the Justice League liaison anymore. But they're still kind of want his in, input on certain things. But yet they still don't want to make him officially part of the team and just keep him out of danger. And you still just kind of feel bad about the breaks Steve Trevor got. And just looking forward to see how it kind of turns into his joining the Justice League of America team, which in the backup, it kind of deals with that with him and Green Arrow. So we'll see how that goes. But the only thing that I'm probably not looking forward to with the next issue was that it looks like we're going to be seeing a bunch of Cheetah Justice League members on that last panel, where it shows Cheetah is pretty much scratching all the members of the Justice League, except for Wonder Woman. And then the last page is Superman in a Cheetah form, which is, I don't know if I'm really anxious to see Wonder Woman take on Cheetah Justice League members, so we'll see how that goes. So, overall, I'd probably give it three mutated lion cub heads out of five. Yeah, I was a little disappointed with the the lack of Batman, and I, I wasn't really sure at the end of that first story whether it was just Superman who turns to Cheetah, or is it all of them, because she scratches Batman and Flash. I don't know if she scratches Cyborg, and then she bites Superman, so, you know, I'm not really sure. And she must have a pretty strong bite to bite down on him. Um, but I don't know if so it'll be like the league taking on Cheetah Superman or what. But um, I definitely like the um, Steve Trevor stuff, how it's sort of setting up that this new Justice League is going to sort of be a rival of um, 
the, the this Justice League, I guess you'd call them. That. Yeah. It's not just going to be like, oh, we're Team A and they're Team B. It's He's got something to prove. Um, and it kind of ties back to that issue where Green Arrow was trying to join the league and they kind of just yeah. blew him off. Um, so um, and I, I'm not a huge fan of the new Green Arrow in the 52. I kind of like the old guy with the goatee who's pissed off at everything. And, uh-huh. you know, but, you know, maybe um, maybe they'll get me to like him here. And uh, but I, I do feel kind of bad for Steve Trevor. He's just kind of like the loser ex-boyfriend of the Justice yeah. League a little bit. Um, even Aquaman just like looks down on him. He's like, you know, he wants to say something to Wonder Woman and Aquaman. He's just like, yeah, we'll, we'll pass the message on. You know, like you know, he's never going to say anything. So, um, but um, you know, I, I was always a little worried with the Justice League when it's not Jim Lee doing the art, but this um, had Tony Daniels doing. Some of the art, um, I think he did all the penciler. Yeah. So that's, um, if he's penciling this, he can't be writing Detective, so that's always a good thing. Anything that takes him away from writing Batman's good. Yeah, as long as his name is under the art credit, we're fine with <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so I would probably, I don't know, I kind of like this. I'd probably give it four um, mutated lion cub heads out of five. Um on a Joker pet who's come to kill Alfred so, or <laughs> mess Alfred up. I wonder if uh, after all is said and done, they'll keep that line cub as like a pet. <laughs> yeah. <in> that <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. It'll grow. Yeah. <laughs> It'll go good with the giant penny dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, and um, the bat cow that they have now in yeah, Batman Incorporated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when they did that, I was kind of surprised that they had the lion um, cub come at the end, because when they said that, I, I just thought, oh, Snyder's setting something up for a Two-Face story down the road. I wasn't expecting, you know, I, that was kind of cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when I first read it, it was kind of like, it's a cool, like, thing just to tie into the overall comeback of the Joker, like we said, the signs. I, I wasn't expecting it to actually show up or anything, just something to introduce the story. But then when it actually showed, it, it's like, oh man, that's cool. <laughs> They're tying in with that, and we wonder how Joker or why Joker wanted to get his hands on it. Yeah. Okay, so Batwoman number thirteen. Uh, Terrence, did you read it? Because I know Tim didn't. You oh, know, you know, Dana, I was actually went to, I was thinking of picking up since how great you said it's been, and then there's like going to be a Wonder Woman team up. But then when I got to the comic store, I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> you are off this podcast forever. <laughs> I've been damaged. <laughs> Um, Terrence, did you read it? I read it. I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Okay. Did you want to talk about it? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go. I mean, the thing I love about J.H. Williams' art is that just every every Batwoman has something I've never seen before. I mean, I've been reading comics a long time, so there's a lot of repetition and a lot of I've seen this before. But, I mean, his every time there's something just blows me away, something new. And those... Page there's, there were two of them that one double page with the maze and how they were walking through the maze and then there was the other double page with the the I guess, I guess the Nynx monsters or something uh, the the freaky worm stuff was right, just right. yeah I just with all the words on them I mean that was just like wow look at this this is something I've never seen before um, yeah actually when I first read that uh, I didn't know that I was supposed to read the um, the words or those oh, big yeah. Fat words in the uh, in the centipede or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. I was just reading Diana's dialogue and I was like, "Wait, is she talking to someone?" It's like, "Oh, <laughs> this." <laughs> but um, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I was yeah, that's um, but yeah, it was 
uh, totally awesome. And, um, you know, at first when I heard, you know, they were doing a Wonder Woman team up, it was kind of like, well, you know, she's going to hold her own against, you know, basically the, the female Superman. And they called it World's Finest. And it is pretty, it is pretty much like the female Batman and Superman team up. Um, and they, there wasn't a lot of it, but I, I did like how they had, um, the one panel where they were doing meditation between, you know, Mr. Kane and his Betty and, and they're, you know, he thinks like, Oh, I'm giving her this relaxing time. And she's like, this is the worst pain I've ever been in. And, uh, but they're not, she's just not coming right back. They're, they're really, you know, taking their time and rebuilding her and making it, um, you know, seem more like a recovery, which, um, it's kind of, kind of an interesting dynamic in the book in that, it's in some ways it's the most fantastic or fantastical book with the monsters and the skull guys and the the weeping women and all this stuff. But yet at the other time, as far as the human relationships, it's the most grounded and the most realistic um, as far as the human relationships go. So, um, and I, I really liked how Batwoman is in just awe of Wonder Woman, but she's trying to hide it. But Wonder Woman can tell, but she's not letting her know that she can tell. So. Um, overall, I, I, I thought it was just awesome and, um, I'd give it, I'd give it five mutated lion cub heads out of five. Wow. Wow. Better than that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, the, the thing is, and I, the reason why I probably gave that a little less is I still don't like the way Greg Capullo draws Commissioner Gordon. I know something with his ears and finger. I don't know. So it lost a few points for that, but. Yeah. And going back to that scene where, um the colonel and Betty are meditating. Um, it's weird how it's not a big drawn out thing where it takes like two or three pages to tell. I mean, it's, it's literally a a splash page and Mm -hmm. we get everything that they've been doing, um, that they're going to do and their expectations all in that one scene. And it was, I mean, the, the storytelling about it was just amazing. Um, yeah, this was just another awesome issue by, um, Williams and Blackman. Um, and I have to say that I, I, I really like where the story is going. And I, I, I like how it plays off a story that took a year to tell. I mean, th- this is an ongoing story. Uh, it started way back in issue one of um, of Batwoman, and it's still going on. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it has to be one of the only Bat books that's still trying to resolve its... Um, new 52 debut story arc, but what's even more impressive is how I think that how Williams and Blackman handle Wonder Woman. Um, I've never really been a fan of the character, but it seems like they're doing something different with her. Um, you know, she's philosophic and wise, and she she plays off of Kate really really well. Um, I think that this is. This issue is what a guest appearance in an issue should be, because it seems like Wonder Woman is a complete and a whole and strong, um, but she's kind of downplayed because in the end, this is Batwoman. But, but like um, Terrence said, I I really like the, the the dynamic between Kate and Diana, especially in that first scene when they're in the sub. Um, you know, Kate is insecure and kind of anxious around Diana because. You know, Diana is pretty much a god, and you know Diana can se- can sense Kate's insecurities and her her anxiety, and um, you know so from that 
Kate and Diana kind of, you know, find their stride together and, you know, they start to feel comfortable around each other as they, they go into Medusa's cell and then, you know, get attacked by Nyx. Um, and yeah, that, that splash page with, um, where, you know, Diana questions Nyx, it's, you know, where Diana's monologue is in regular letters and Nyx's dialogue is kind of, you know, contained within the, Centipede. It's so hard to explain that I can't explain it on a podcast. You just have to (laughs) check it out for yourself. Um, I don't think I've ever paid that close attention to lettering before, Uh, but it really works in this issue. Um, But yeah, I I really like this issue. I liked how you know it actually progressed the story in a meaningful way. It wasn't just trying to get to from A to B. and I really like how this this issue feels like a journey, and this this story feels like a journey or or a quest. Um, um, it, you know, it's not just a standard three or four issue comic story arc that's just going to be forgotten and never touched again by any writer ever. Um, it feels like it's so much more than that. And you know, the ending to this issue just gets me pumped up for the next for the next issue. You know, where we get to see Kate and Diana face off against um, Pegasus. So yeah, I'm still loving Batwoman. <laughs> And I would probably give this, like Terrence, I would probably give this a 5 out of 5 um, mutated lion head cubs, heads, feet, cubs, <laughs> out of 5. <laughs> so if I were to pick up this issue, would I be totally lost? <laughs> I'd be like, this is a starting point. No, I don't think so. I, they, yeah. yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Um, and they kind of recap a little bit in the beginning. They've got this, this the whole thing with... Um, like they focus up on uh, Wonder Woman's headband and her uh, her star and her WW, and they kind of recap everything. Um, so no, it, actually, it's probably a good jumping on point for for a new reader. But I just wanted to add one thing: is just it seems like every month they've just come up with a new way to put panels in comic books and just reinvent it. I mean, the first splash page it, it has like the submarine that it looks like waves, and then the the one splash page where they're meditating is all done within the the flaming wings of a a bird I guess for flame bird I mean it's just amazing how they just come up with new ways to do comic book panels month after month I'm just so in love with this book every time I see it in my stack I'm already pumped yeah. <laughs> and I have to say that I would take Batwoman over Snyder's Batman any day wow <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's it. Um, was there any other book that you guys wanted to talk about? Yeah, I think that's it for me. Or yeah, anything no, that was it for me. the ones I've read. <laughs> Nobody read uh, Red Hood. Yeah, I, I'm only picking <laughs> up the tie-ins for that. For that stuff. <laughs> so I'll be picking up for the Death of the Family tie-in, but after that. Nah. <laughs> All right, so I I guess that's it. Uh, we have come to the end of another Bad Fans podcast. Tim, it has been a journey. Can you believe it? It's over. I can't believe it. But I'm going to have to. And I'm going to have to push on. Um, but you can check out our host site, The Batman Universe, at thebatmanuniverse.net. Um, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse. Or at Twitter. And that Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. You can also find us on iTunes. And you can review us. And you can review all the other Batman Universe podcasts on iTunes. I'm sure they'll love it. It'll make us look sexy. It'll get us a lot of women and stuff like that. And Dustin is on all of those podcasts. He's either a clone or he's a what, Tim? Cyborg. 
Yeah, or a cyborg. <laughs> Not really sure. Um, because I needed a DNA test for that. Um, also, you can help support fellow Batman Universe staff member Stella. And uh, can we say that she's a cyborg or a clone? Wait, she had a bunch of podcasts besides the... Uh, no, no, she Batman just was a uh, Batgirl. So purple. Is she a clone or a, or a droid? <laughs> Joy's copyrighted by Lucasfilm, so. <laughs> now we're gonna get sued. Yeah. But yeah, she has a petition out for the Batgirl Year One animated movie. Um, she wants to get that back into production. You can find that at gopetition.com slash petitions slash Batgirl dash year dash one dash HTML. Uh, and you can find her, and if you need Stella Love 24-7 in your life, if you need her in your life 24-7 you can check her out at batgirl2oracle.net and our outro music is Spangler uh, it has been a journey everybody but we love you or I love you and don't worry you know we'll be back in two weeks it's alright um, if you're gonna miss us the other three of you cause we have one here <laughs> um, you know we'll be back in two weeks don't worry about it alright I'll see you later bye see ya yeah thanks for having me on bye <laughs> I love how you comfort everyone at the end. I can still miss her skin on mine. Well, it's a secret I'll take with me to my grave. It was you and me around. But I'm alone tonight, my tears can't fall.